Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Adam Carricker on The Ticket. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome, everybody, to Adam. Welcome, everybody, back to Adam Character on The Ticket here on 93.7 The Ticket. All right, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to check out GELandscapesupply.com. And as always, check out thecharacterchronicles.com where all your football hopes and dreams will come true. Now, here shortly, I'm going to be joined by a two-time national champion. In fact, he is on the line now. Mr. Red Baron is a former former Nebraska offensive lineman, two-time national champion as well. How you doing, Red? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> Red's joining me on the Aloe Fiber VIP line. Now, you were at practice the other day with Charlie McBride. Okay, I'm not going to ask you for any intricacies of what happened at practice, but my question is, what's the general vibe at practice like right now? Well, it's, it's upbeat. Uh, I enjoy going to practice and uh, – Supporting Coach Rule and his staff and the present players, and um, oh, it's it's actually uh, kind of harkens me back to when I was there at Nebraska, and in the fact that uh, everybody, meaning all the players, work all the time, which is great to see. Okay, so Coach McBride chatted with the team after practice. Is there any part of his message or the general theme of the message you'd mind sharing with the fine folks? Well, he just uh, told them, you know, you got to be there for one another and uh, to uh, when you get in there, play as hard as you can and uh, and you you will succeed. I, I might add, uh, Jared Tomich, uh was with uh, Coach McBride, too. How's Jared doing these days? I haven't seen him for a few years. What's he up to now? Good. He's still on the farm back in Indiana. And he uh, picked up Coach McBride, and they drove out together to Lincoln. So Jared probably doesn't remember this. He had just retired from the NFL. And it was during my playing days because, and I forget what year it was, sophomore, junior year, I, I want to say. But he had just retired from the NFL, and he actually showed up the night before the game at our team hotel and actually talked to the team and had a really good message that night. So he's obviously he's a little bit more on the quiet side, but when you get him fired up, man, he is fun to listen to. All right, so I want to harken back to your playing days a little bit. So I've always wanted to, to ask you this. We're, we see each other quite often, but for some reason I've never asked you this, so there's no better time than now. What was it like? 
playing for Bob Devaney. Oh, it, it was great. Uh, you know, he was more of a uh, general manager or, or CEO. Uh, he let his coaches do the coaching for the most part. And uh, during practice, he would walk from uh, station to station and and uh, just observe. And once in a while, he would uh, give some advice to uh, the uh, to the coaches or sometimes to uh, us players. Now, this is the man that helped Nebraska win their first two national championships. He's really the guy that put Nebraska football on the national radar, okay? How was he able, in your opinion, to take Nebraska football to not just a really good team, but one of the best programs in the entire country? How was he able to do that uh, while he was the coach here at Nebraska? Well, to start out with, uh, he had some tremendous players uh, from the uh, Bill Jennings uh, regime, who was the coach prior to uh, Coach Demani coming here in '62, and that uh, that really helped out a lot. I mean, my gosh, that uh, uh, team he had in '63, man for man, was, in my estimation, was the best they ever had. They just uh, had a fluke loss to Air Force. But, my gosh, I think they had uh, 16 guys off of that uh, team that uh, pl- played in the pros. So that helped a lot. And uh, he, uh, Coach Den- uh, Jennings had a habit of three- and four-hour practices. And Coach Devaney, we, two hours and 15 minutes was a long practice. And uh, the, the uh, players really responded to that. I mean, they weren't they weren't killing each other <laughs> before Saturday, so that helped uh, quite a bit and improved the overall uh, attitude of the team from the guys I've talked to off of the off of those you know sixty three, sixty four, sixty five teams. Was Coach Devaney was he a little bit more? You said he was more of a, a general manager type coach, CEO type coach. In other words, he coached the coaches, and then the coaches coached the players. But from a personality standpoint, was he a little bit more laid back? Was he more fiery? Did he have the teacher approach? Was he, you know, more than willing to kind of he, light a fire under you verbally? Like, what was his approach personality-wise? He he was uh, more laid back, but uh, if you goofed up, uh, he could light you up in a hurry. <laughs> Talk to me about Coach Osborne, because he was the offensive coordinator. So he obviously was the head coach for three national titles. He was also the offensive coordinator for two more additional national titles. What was he like as an offensive coordinator? I'm thinking more from like a X's and O's standpoint, because he evolved his offense as a head coach multiple times over the years based on what he saw. And I felt like even as the offensive coordinator, he was kind of ahead of the curve in the late 60s, early 70s as well. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I remember him going out to uh, USC and uh, studying the I-formation. Before that, uh, Nebraska was predominantly an unbalanced line, uh, full house T offense. And uh, he came back, and I think in 68, uh, which would have been my freshman year, we started running the I-formation because he saw that uh, 
you know, had the foresight to see what defenses were doing to us. And, uh, and, uh, we wanted to get, uh, become more explosive offensively. Uh, we had great defenses. I mean, even in 67, when, uh, we, uh, went six and four, which was just outrageous, you know, <laughs> as far as the fans were concerned that, uh, you know, we were slipping, we still led the country in defense. But our offense wasn't, I guess I could say, uh, keeping up with the time. So Tom went out and studied uh, the uh, I formation and brought brought it back to Lincoln and implemented it into as our main offensive scheme. So he had a lot wow. of foresight, and he was quiet. Uh, I remember every noon uh, he'd be over at the training table and have the quarterbacks. Uh, uh, Jerry Taggy and Van Brownson and Steve Runney and Bob Jones and whoever else was uh, a quarterback there, and he'd be constantly uh, asking him questions and schooling them on uh, offense. So I used to feel sorry for him because they, instead of eating, they were there uh, learning foot, football. <laughs> so Now, it was either right when you got there or right before you got there. All right, Boyd Epley and Husker Power really just got started. And people need to remember, this was a big, risky move at the time. A lot of people across the country considered weightlifting and football to be a bad thing. In fact, oh, man, the first time I interviewed Boyd Epley like six, seven years ago, he flat out said if it didn't work because Osborne had his hand in this decision, uh, basically Devaney said he was going to fire Boyd and Osborne. Like that's how risky this decision was to implement uh, heavy lifting into football now my question for you obviously it worked out well okay my question for you is how big of an advantage did husker power give you guys versus the other teams you were playing across the country oh uh, i think it gave us a tremendous advantage uh myself i went from uh six foot 186 pound walk on offensive guard to uh well still six foot but uh about two 30 to 235 by the time I was a, a senior and uh so that that really helped and it uh it it seems like we would wear teams down I mean we we own the fourth quarter I know uh later on in the 80s 90s and early 2000s you guys owned the fourth quarter and I think that was uh, a benefit of all the uh strength training and conditioning that we did I can only, you know, imagine in my mind, here you've got this team that is running and lifting, and then they're playing other teams that aren't, and how much of a huge, just gigantic, ahead-of-the-curve advantage that was and the foresight that Coach Osborne, that Epley, and ultimately Devaney, who said yes to the decision, I'll fire you if it doesn't work, but said yes to the decision, the huge advantage that gave you guys. All right, so the game of the century versus Oklahoma. Now, my question isn't about the game of the century. It's about that Oklahoma team. And, you know, we're Nebraska people, so we don't talk about that Oklahoma team too much. But I've always thought, if not in at least the top three, they may be the greatest college football team of all time that didn't win a national championship. And just a couple of interesting stats for the fine folks out there. That Oklahoma team averaged over 400 yards rushing a game. They destroyed a top five Auburn team, okay, in the bowl game. And they beat number three Colorado. Now think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Number one that year was Nebraska. Number two was Oklahoma. Number three was Colorado. Straight Big 8 dominance. But they beat that Colorado team 
by four touchdowns, and they were number three in the country. So my question to you is this. In your opinion, are they one of the best, if not the best team in the history of college football not to win a national title? Oh, def- definitely. They're, uh, I saw a poll in 2019 of the uh, – Hundred, uh, it was the 150th anniversary of uh, college football, and uh, the number one was the 71 Nebraska team, but Oklahoma was the top team with one loss of of all those teams, and and they were better than some of those teams that were ranked ahead of them uh, in that poll too. I mean, they were they were unbelievable especially their offense. And they had a good defense, but their offense was, was uh, of course, they ran the wishbone. And, and it, it helped that not many teams ran the wishbone at that time. So defensively, uh, teams were behind them as far as how to stop the wishbone. So that, that helped them. And number four so that, uh, in yeah, uh, 1971 was Alabama, who was number yep. two until the Orange Bowl, and then we uh, spanked them, I think it was 38-6 to six or 38-7. to seven. So yep. we beat the second, third, and fourth-ranked uh, teams in the country, and I don't think that's ever been done before or since. Yeah, it was interesting because you guys, Nebraska, destroyed a, a number two Alabama in the Orange Bowl that year. It was 38-6, to six, and Oklahoma Big 8 dominated another SEC team in Auburn that year. So the Big A kind of dominated the SEC that year, especially in the bowl game. Just a couple of other interesting stats. Uh, I recently put out a highlight tape of the 2009 Nebraska defense, and they gave up uh, a nation-best 10 points per game. They were number one, number one in the nation scoring defense that year. But actually, the Nebraska defense, they gave up the least amount of points in Husker football history as 71 Nebraska, and they gave up an average of eight points a game. So watching that, if you've ever had a chance to go back and watch the game of the century, 71 Nebraska versus Oklahoma, it's the best offense in the country, one of the greatest rushing offenses of all time in Oklahoma when they've got the ball versus arguably you know, the best defense in the country that year and arguably the greatest Husker defense of all time, at least when you look at the stats. All right, mm-hmm. so you, you were a great player in your own right. Okay, You played with a lot of other great players from Johnny Rogers, Rich Glover, et cetera. Who are the, some of the guys, when you think back on your career and your teammates you had, who are some of the guys that stick out in your mind, and why do they stick out to you? Uh, are you on, on our team? Uh, oh, yes. They, they were all such great players. I mean, we were – our third and fourth teams could have made a uh, – and second team could have made a good run through the Big 8 that, that, during that era. We were just so loaded. And on Saturday, it was almost a relief uh, to the games were because here you banged heads with them uh, for five days. And uh, the guys that you were playing against on Saturday generally weren't no, were not as good or even close to being as good as uh, Larry Jacobson and, and uh, Rich Glover and Willie Harper and Steve Manstead and... Uh, Fast Eddie Periard at the 196-pound middle guard, Monty Johnson and John Dutton. It just goes on and on and on. So it was a real relief to get to Saturday. When you think about Harper and Dutton and Jacobson and everyone you mentioned, then you've got Glover and you got Johnny Rogers. You've got a Heisman Trophy winner. You've got All-Americans. You've got Labarty Award winners. You've got Glover, who finished third in the Heisman Trophy voting. 
voting, which yeah. is actually higher than Sue finished, and he finished fourth in the year that he was up for it and probably should have won it, but that's a topic for another day. So that is a loaded, deep team, especially not to be biased here at all, but on the defensive line. That's why Saturday seemed easier for you. You were going against, like, multiple All-Americans and Lombardi Award winners and, like, the best in the country across the entire front. All right, last question oh, I got for you. Um, you have you, – you do a great job of connecting former players. Uh, as good or better than any other former player I know, you have an email list. I don't know how many hundreds of p- former players you have on this email list, but you keep us updated on what's going on, who's doing what, what events are going on. Um, and so – I'm curious, what motivated you? Because you're as involved with the Husker football program as any other former player I know, which I absolutely love and appreciate about you. But what motivated you to get that big email list going? And how many people do you have on there, if you don't mind me asking? You know, uh, about uh, 1,350. <laughs> wow, so, it's even more than I thought. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and uh, well, first of all, let me say, say I forgot a couple guys uh, – uh, Bill Jansen was a handful and a half, and and then the linebackers Jerry Murtaugh and Jimmy Branch and Bob Terrio and and secondary was was really good too. But you no, know, what motivated me is in 2008, uh, Oklahoma had a reunion of the uh, 71 game of the centuries, the Oklahoma and Nebraska players. They had it down in Norman, and even though they were we're not victorious. We were that day. They, we went down there, and uh, it was just, I couldn't believe all the stuff they did for their former players. And uh, so, you know, uh, it's they all knew each other, knew their wives' names or their kids' names, where they played. And it had been 30-some years for us, and we didn't, we could hardly recognize the uh, we Nebraska players could already recognize each other. So I thought, well, what can I do? And so I thought about, well, maybe I can uh, keep everybody informed uh, by getting an email list. So I started with uh, maybe 20 or 30 guys, mostly from when I played, and just build it up uh, generally by contacting or uh, uh, players that I found could find, and uh, also guys started giving me the emails, addresses of guys that uh, uh, they knew that wanted on the list. So I built it up to about uh, 600 guys, and then the university finally relented and gave us another, gave us their list. So. I went uh, cool. through that list and cleaned it all up and found uh, a bunch of guys that were deceased that were still on the list and uh, got, you know, guys that had changed their addresses since they gave them to the university. So now it's up to about 1,350. Well, that's pretty cool. I personally appreciate it. You do a great job over 1,300. Again, that's even more than I would have guessed, and I would have guessed a very high number. So I appreciate you being involved, and I appreciate you joining me today. Thanks, Red. Yeah, you bet. Uh, we'll talk. see you at a game soon. Sounds good. Don't go anywhere, Husker fans. We'll be right back.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.